Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is October 26th of 2022. This is episode number 170. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Hey, Rod, going good. Thanks. How are, going? How are things going with you? Um, No complaints. No right. complaints. We'll, we'll save the complaints for the for the podcast, right? There you go. All right. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, things things are going good. Yeah. So um, joining us tonight is our is our friend Peter Jones. You can follow him at the underscore IT underscore hedgehog. Peter, how are how are things going for you tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Rod. It's good to good to be here with you and Jeff. And uh, I've noticed that you have me on when. When you needed to be cheered up, Rod, I think. <laughs> well, that, oh, yeah. Man. Actually, yeah, it's a, I, I think you're right, Peter. You caught me. <laughs> you, may, Actually, you, may, you may have picked on the wrong person this week, Rod. <laughs> well, um, you know, I know how uh, how most Brown Browns fans are reacting right now, and you you follow the Browns, but you're primarily a Packers fan. So we're really just hoping you might be able to to do a couple things, and that's you know add a little wisdom to the situation and and kind of look at this thing um, a little bit differently from from the emotional way that the fans are looking at it. You know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a, a different uh, perspective, so to so to speak. Sure. So, um, yeah, we need cooler heads to prevail, Peter. That's it. That is it. So, so before we get started, uh, Peter, is there? A, you're on other podcasts and stuff. Is there anything you've been on recently, or any uh, thing that you're working on right now that you want to talk about? Well, there most most of them are a, a, a packer related rod, but I guess the main one that I'm on just to give it a plug is the AVG Cheese podcast. And I, and if if Browns fans want cheering up to go and hear how things are going on at the very struggling Green Bay Packers, go listen to the AVG Cheese podcast, and that may cheer you up. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, maybe when I'm on Browns Twitter, I, I know. People outside of Cleveland really don't care how anybody else is doing. And, and I understand that. People outside Absolutely. of Green Bay probably don't care how the Browns are doing. They don't say, oh, well, we're doing bad, but, well, the Browns are doing worse, so it's not so bad. <laughs> um, I understand that. But uh, this season just seems just just kind of like a strange season. Um, you know, a lot of teams started off 2-3 and three or 3-2, three and two, and it's just been a struggle for a lot of teams to find any consistency. So... Uh, you know, it, it's it's not an excuse. It's just kind of where the league seems to be for a lot of teams right now. So um, we'll get into we'll get into some of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, if people want to, if people are just tired of talking about Browns and they want to hear something else, they should check it out. <laughs> there might be people like that out there. So um, we have a little bit of Browns news. Um, things we can. Uh, bring up here um, most mostly what was going around today and that's that uh, Jacob Phillips is is out for the season um, with with a with a pectoral injury um, and I don't I don't know if it's a tear or whatnot but they said he's he's out for the season so that's um, you know it's, it's pretty pretty big blow for the Browns I mean regardless of how you thought he was playing he was leading the team in tackles so that's another spot that they have to you know try to figure out how to fill um you know and and jeff you and i were talking you know there some other guys are gonna they're gonna be playing guys that that probably haven't seen the field much yet so um yeah so uh so yeah we're gonna find out how some other guys can play yeah i mean you might see like you said tony fields is gonna be out there um i would think and um and uh, I'm forgetting the new guy's name. <laughs> who's going to be playing? Uh, who's going to be playing um, in the Deion Jones? Deion Jones. Um, yeah, yeah. It's going. It, um, it's pretty much going to take over for, for uh, Phillips, I guess. Is what they're. Uh, is what. They're, yeah, that's that's the assumption. Yeah, that's that's what we're thinking. But you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. So, so that that's one shot um, to the Browns. Um, 
I guess on the injury front, uh, uh, David Njoku is uh, is um, said to be out for two to five weeks. I mean, and that's a big spread. I know he had a boot. Um, I don't know exactly what they're saying about the injury. Well, it's the dreaded high ankle sprain, Rod, which, you know, we've seen linger on for a very long time with some guys. Yeah. Yeah, that that could be a problem. I mean, the Browns do have the bye coming up after the Bengals game, so you know if they if they get really lucky, maybe they'll you know only lose them for for a game or two. Um, oh. But you know, I mean, we'll have to see. Let's see how how that goes. Um, you know, he's been a big part of the offense. Farrell Brown got hurt also in the game, didn't he? I didn't hear anything about whether he was going to be available. Um, I remember getting really thin at linebacker and tight end. Yeah, they were talking about Farrell Brown after the game. I haven't seen anything about him since, so I'm hoping he's okay. Um, He's been, you know, he's probably been as involved in the passing game the last few weeks as, uh, or the last couple weeks as, uh, as uh, Harrison Bryant has. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just pulling up. Joku stats and he's a little hard to run a tight end heavy offense when you don't have any healthy tight ends. Yeah. And I mean, we've complimented in Joku for, you know, for, uh, he's, he's been stepping up this season. I mean, he's 34 catches and seven games, you know, about, um, five, um, averaging about five catches a game. So it puts him, what about, uh, do some quick math about 85 catches. Is that right? Credit, credit where credit you know, is due yeah. that, that, you know, he has been in a reliable target for Jacoby Brissett and, you know, they've, they've been able to effectively utilize him. Um, and yeah, he's, I mean, he's now considered one of the better tight ends in the league. So good for him. Glad yeah. to see it. Yeah. I mean, he was on a pace probably for about 85 catches and that, I would say, I mean, 418 yards and, and seven games. So, I mean, it's, Probably not quite a thousand, but probably, you know, probably fairly close to it. Um, yeah. So, so, so yeah. Big, big missing piece over the next few weeks. Yeah, definitely. And then, of course, um, um, I, I guess we'll just lump all of this stuff together. The, you know, it came out, I guess, uh, today, maybe yesterday, that the Browns have uh, uh, Kareem Hunt and Greedy Williams on the on the block. Um, I think I think a couple other guys are available too. Jack Conklin and um, I'm trying to think, was there somebody else talking about? I mean, other names have come up as people as guys that people think the Browns should shop, mm. but I think those three guys are probably the primary guys that. Um, well, everybody wants to get rid of John Johnson, but I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, John Johnson and Grant Delpit, you know, I saw people saying that those are guys that they should trade. I'm thinking, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, no, those aren't those aren't really likely. Anyway, what are you going to get for those guys right now? Right, yeah. And uh, and those other guys, you know, that are on expiring deals, um, I, you know, that, that their availability may be the worst kept secret in Berea right now. I mean, you know, the, to this point, yeah. they're, they're probably just making it official that, we're making it public knowledge that they're available. I think they've probably been available. They've probably this been season. available. Yeah. So Peter, we've we've painted a picture here where the Browns the Browns are two and five. Uh, they, they've got some injuries uh, starting to creep up now. Um, you know, I mean, they they still have uh, they've still got a lot of good players available, especially on the offensive side. Um, the, you know the the uh, Defensive side, the, the injuries might start be, start uh, um, are, are probably really starting to take a toll with Ward out, um, you know, and, and uh, Clowney kind of seems to be week to week. And then, you know, and then we're talking about, um, you know, the linebacker position, things like this. Um, and then you're, and then you're looking at moving some of your, some of your guys like Kareem Hunt, Greedy Williams, Jack Conklin. Um, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what, what does this do to the team? How, how does, how, how, 
you, you know, who, whose responsibility is this to hold this team together? And th- does this appear? I mean, I think that the fan base kind of kind of looks at this and says, ah, you know, the, the season's done. You know, they're giving up because they're looking at trading these guys away. Well, these guys are on expiring contracts, so I don't I don't see trading those two or three guys as really giving up. But I know the reality of two and five. So how do you think the players see this? And what do you think the, the prospects are for for this team actually, uh, you know, trying to trying to get back on the right track at this point? Yeah, I think that I think the first things first, if you take a step back from it, um, the, the, this is one of the best two and five teams that you're ever going to see. Right. So part, part, part of the issue is that is that when teams get on a losing streak, just like when they get on a winning streak, you know, losing begats losing. You find ways to lose games and you almost start to expect that you're going to find ways to lose games. Um, and to a degree, it's even worse when you lose lots of close games. Yeah. So, you know, the, the Browns have lost what four games by three points or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, throw it throw in an extra 12 13 14 15 points to this season and and the browns are six and one right. now that's not the way football works we all under we all understand that and we all understand that the 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 better the best teams find find ways to win those close games but sometimes you know the the run of the ball just doesn't go your way that's that's life. That's all sports. Um, and I and I think it's important. The perspective is important. That generally speaking, things are never quite as good as they appear to be when you are six and one or seven and zero, and they're never quite as bad as you think they are when you're two and five or three and four or one and six. It's usually somewhere in somewhere in between. And I think that it's exactly that with 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 the Browns. I think this is a team that's got a number of really, really good players. So knowing that I was coming on, right, I, I, I went back and, and I watched um, some highlights and, and the, um, uh, you know, the condensed 40-minute uh, games on, on NFL Game Pass. And there are some really, really good players on this Browns, on this Browns team. Now there are areas that they're struggling. You know, the defensive backfield is is, is struggling, mm-hmm. um, with, without without question. And I think that with the trade deadline coming up November first, so so the Browns have got one more game before they hit that trade deadline. If the Browns lose to the Bengals, then I'm afraid to say if you get if you drop to two and six, the likelihood is that the I wouldn't say the season's over, but the the chances of making the playoffs are pretty much gone. Yeah. Um, and and that and therefore I think it makes it more likely that some of those players, um, like a Kareem Hunt or a Greedy Williams, who are on the trade block, will be traded. Now, always the problem that us as fans have to remember with trades is it takes two teams. It's very easy to sit here and say that you know we want to trade away this player, but we should trade for player X or player Y. Yeah, but it takes two teams, and it's easy to say you should get a whatever round pick for Kareem Hunt, and I, I think I've seen a fourth round pick being bandied around. But as you both alluded to, everybody knows at this point that he's on the trade block, so you may or may not get, uh, you know, a draft pick consummate to his value. Um, and the fact that he's on the last year of his contract also means the team trading for him has then got that contract to deal with quickly if they want if they want him back next year. So, so it's not always as easy to get value at this at this stage of the season in terms of in terms of those trades. I just think that generally speaking, I just think, I think this is a good football team whose Record doesn't reflect how good they are. Now, I understand the argument will always be, you know, teams are what they re- what their record says they are. 
That's true to an extent, but I don't think it's always true. And I don't think it's true in the case of the 2022 Cleveland Browns. Um, but at this point, when, when you're on a losing streak, to go back to your original question, somebody has to step up and say, it's on my shoulders. And I think the question is for the Browns, and you guys would know better than me, is who is that person? Or who are those leaders in the locker room, whether it's players or coaches, that are going to be the ones that step up and take it on their shoulders to turn this thing around? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've probably answered your question with a question, Rod, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you did. Uh, think, <laughs> you have something, Jeff? I think you're right, Peter. I think that, um, you know, that's the glaring deficiency within this roster and, and the organization as a whole is that there really isn't any experience with winning. Yeah. So, you know, who's going to step up and, and teach people how to win when really nobody knows how to win. You know, this organization has been finding ways to lose since 1999 and its default position has always been, well, maybe we just didn't get it right yet. You know, let's, 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 you know, mix up the, the cards and, and shuffle them out again and, and see if we can deal ourselves a better hand. And, you know, lacking that culture of winning, uh, there's really nothing to fall back on, nothing else to fall back on. So um, I, I think that's where you keep hearing the same, you know, calls for, well, we need to trade this guy because he's no good. Uh, we need to fire this guy because he's no good. And, you know, it's, there's, we, we just, we've never gotten to a point with this franchise where they have any experience winning consistently that they can fall back on. And all these young players, just instead of, of looking to veteran leadership, um, just kind of start pointing fingers at each other. And it seems to get to that point every season about this time. Yeah. And we talked about this before a lot before the season that we you know the, the to me the uniqueness of the brown season with the with the watson suspension and starting percent for x number of games which now is 11 games so it means there's uh, four more games of uh, jacoby percent um you know we we uh We've only seen Brissett, so there's no reason to to think that uh, that Josh Dobbs is going to start a game uh, from here on out. I think it's going to be Jacoby, um, and then it's going to be Deshaun Watson um, for the last for the last um, six games. Right. So, to me, that it's a unique situation. Um, I think we've, at least for me, I felt like this season was kind of riding on. Jacoby Brissett and how he performed during these 11 games, um, how how much of a chance he gave the Browns to stay in games and, and you know, and, and uh, gave him a chance to win. And his performance really hasn't been the problem. Um, he's, no. you know, he's performed pretty well. So it, it's except for it, one game. Yeah. I mean, he's he's actually performed pretty well. Um, you know, it's it's kind of looked like some of these were his fault with late interceptions, but that's really not the case. Um, you know, it's been because of other things, mm-hmm. but we still, you know, I think people just, people in Cleveland, like most places, they're not willing to wait till next season. So they, they look at this roster and they see how much talent there is, like you were talking about, Peter. And they think we can't waste a year. We have to win this year, no matter what no matter what the circumstances are, <laughs> that we still, we don't have this guy that we traded for, for 11 games. You're starting a guy who's been a, a backup who, who has NFL starts and he's been okay. Um, he, he's played pretty well for, you know, f- based on how he's done the rest of his career. I think he's played pretty well. Um, so, so now the Browns are in a situation where they're not doing well and you're kind of caught between what do we do this season and how much are we just preparing for next season? Because the entire setup here is really to try to win with Deshaun Watson during the the time period in which he's going to be a quarterback here for the yeah. Browns. 
And so I just, you know, I, I, I think it's, I think up until, you know, the last couple of games, the Browns have been trying to do both. It's like, well, if things work out really well, we can, we can really challenge and win this season. But now you take a couple losses um, and, and all of a sudden it looks like, well, you know, this season's a wash, but you can't, you can't, um, you can't just trade everybody away and rebuild this team. You know, and it's not even just about players. It's about coaches and stuff like this. You need to be ready to contend with Deshaun Watson. This is why you traded for this guy. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with all of that. And I I think, again, from the outside looking in, I, I just think from the very start, once that trade was made and then, you know, all of what happened happened, and and we knew that, he, that Watson was going to miss the first 11 games of the season. At that point, it just made this whole season just very, very strange from a Browns perspective. Because, you know, had the Browns gone 9-2, and two, for example, in the first 11 games, and then does Watson, does Watson come in at that point? Yeah. Yeah, he's the future <laughs> right. of your franchise. Obviously, he's the future of your franchise, but does he come in at that point? And if he does come in and they go... One and three over the next few few games after that, do people start calling for Brissett to come back in? Right. That and the the whole thing's just because Watson hasn't played in a what two years or two and a half by that point or whatever whatever. Right, and I, and I think that's that, and I think that in itself is a really important point. Is that you know forgetting all of the off the field stuff, the guy won't have played for two years when when he come, when he comes in. Assuming he comes in in week in week twelve, um, and you can't forget that, you know that, that that's a long time not to, not to be out on the field, um, right? And, and and the pressure on him coming in that that you know at that point is going to be enormous, and 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 I don't know, it's just a very very weird season for the Browns, and I and I don't think you ever want to give up on any. NFL season you know as fans we want to win every game we want to reach the playoffs etc etc in any in any season we never want to think that our team has given up on the season and I don't think I don't think that that the Browns would give up on a season but I think you you know it it may get to a point where the playoffs are are beyond reach Mm -hmm. and you have to start thinking about are there players on the roster and I'm not talking about the top level, you know, top notch, all pro level players, because there are all pro level players on the Browns roster. Right. But are you talking about that next group, the Kareem Hunts, the Greedy Williams, those guys, where you can start investing in the future by trading those guys away. And it's a really sensible thing to do. It re- I, I think I think it really is, especially, you know, if you if you look at you know is Greedy Williams, for example, a future starter on the Cleveland Browns? The answer is probably no. If we're if we're real if we're realistic about it, right? But assuming right. that assuming that you know Denzel Ward's everything that we expect he is, MJ Emerson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you have to say, well, you know that that next level, the the backups on the roster, those are guys that you that you can use as trade and get the right value for to start building your team for next year and, and future years. So I, th- I think it's an eminently, eminently sensible thing to do. And to be honest, I don't think enough teams do it, if I'm, re- if I'm really honest. You know, you understand yeah. the top team. You understand the top teams. Teams that think that they are a game away from the Super Bowl, those teams, you understand those teams not doing it because their, their win window is right now. It truly is right now. Um, yeah, but 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 for a lot of a lot of teams that sit between this kind of anywhere between six and eleven and eleven and six, because there isn't a lot between those teams, not enough of those teams for me start gaining extra value at this time of the year when they should. Yeah, I, I honestly thought that when the suspension came out that if if it if it were to be a lengthy suspension like like it is, that Kareem uh, had a good chance of being traded before the season even started. Yeah. 
because it's not like they don't have other running backs. And I love Kareem Hunt, but they have guys who are getting carries who are very good players. And 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 you got Jackson and and Felton's on the roster, right? So he's a good player. But, Jackson, I, but, I, Felton, but I'm, I'm, yeah. guess, I'm guessing he's not seeing a lot of playing time at all. I don't think Dearness uh, uh, Ernest Johnson. I don't think has a carry yet. Yeah, which is just kind of crazy. Um, and you have uh, you have um, the kid from. Uh, from you see uh, Jerome Ford, who's um, he's on IR now, but I would think he'll be back um, within the next couple weeks. Or you know, if if he's not playing Monday, I would think he'll be back after the bye. He was on I, he's been on IR for um, I think three to four weeks, so so he might be coming back. So so you've got Jerome Ford and Dearness Johnson. Um, you know everybody loves Kareem Hunt in Cleveland. But you just got a stacked position group right now. So as much as it's going to pain people, you you have guys ready to come in and play who, um, you know, they might not look like Kareem Hunt, but they're very talented guys. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we knew about that position group coming into the season, Rod, that, you know, yeah. it was a, it was a, an area of strength for the organization. Mm-hmm. Um on the offensive side of the ball, there were a lot of question marks coming into the season, you know, at the receiver position, um, mm-hmm. you know, were we going to be able to pass the ball effectively? Um, you know, a lot, a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. We, we felt really good about the defense coming into this season, basically returning all of our starters. Um, yeah. One or two, you know, on, on the, in defensive interior on the, the line interior. But um, what's really strange about this year now is you look at the defensive side of the ball. And I think if we're, we're honest, you know, and looking at an arm's length, you know, what we have, um, there's, there's really only five players right now that I feel good about on the defensive side of the ball. Um, on the defense, yeah, and um, and there's six question marks because you got to have eleven guys, you know. So we've got a lot more question marks on that side of the ball now than we even had on offense at the beginning of the season. So yeah. to to Peter's point, you know, if, if if we are at some point, you know, not thinking about playoffs this year and. And doing that soft reset to to get ready for that contention window with you know our new quarterback, we've got to answer those questions on defense next. You know, um, as you said, the the linebacker position, other than JOK, I, there's not a lot there. Um, no. You know, and 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 what we do have are some very young guys. You know, JOK's in his second year, Newsom's in his second year. Um, MJ Emerson's a rookie, you know, so of those five guys, I think there's, there's a lot unknown right now about who's going to be on the defense next year when we get, you know, really serious about contending. I agree with you. And I can almost see a, I don't, I would have to look at uh, John Johnson's contract. I don't know. I don't know. Um, where yeah, he's just got to play better out. because it's going to be impossible to to move him. I mean, we we owe him money out to to 2025, I think. 25. Okay, um, yeah, I was going to say I don't yeah. know how far his guaranteed money goes, but yeah, we, I could see know, a reset that, at safety because I mean it 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 felt like they were you know like they really liked these guys and everything, and they're just not getting the production. Well, we've been guys. saying for years, Rod, that you know we we are. <laughs> Joe Woods wants to run a three safety, you know, uh, style, and, and he never had three healthy safeties. Well, this year he's, he's had three healthy safeties pretty much all season. And uh, Ronnie Harrison's never even seen the field. So, you know. Not much. I, I don't, well, no, I don't he's know. been on uh, special teams mostly. Yeah, I? I don't know what's happened uh, yeah. at the safety position yeah. this year. Yeah, so um, 
we've uh, we've covered a lot of stuff. We haven't even talked about the uh, Ravens game yet. So uh, just who wants just, to? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't really want to spend a bunch of time on it or anything. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, this is a game the Browns were were in. Um, they they started yeah. out very well in this game. You know. Yeah. The Browns made a couple of mistakes. Uh, they they made less or they made more mistakes than than the uh, than the Ravens did. You know there was the that's the that strip sack that led to a, a score for the Ravens was, was big. Mm-hmm. Um, but it occurred to me when the Browns were up, um, what was it? Was it? I think when they were up 10, 10 nothing in the first half. Um, uh, it was ten three. It was ten three. Okay, um, that's right. The uh, um, when there were, when the Browns, uh, when the Browns punted and the Ravens had the big return, mm-hmm. um, and I think scored, I might be flipping these in, in the order that they actually happened. And then the Ravens had that 70 something yard punt that went down to about the, the two yard line or the five right. yard line. Right. Those two punts seem to change the momentum of the game, and I, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here just saying, "Come on, guys! You can't let a punt change the momentum like this." There must um, have been a, a 40 mile an hour wind blowing that direction or something, Rod. When I was I watching know. that, I couldn't believe the difference in those two punts. Oh my gosh, it was that was crazy. Um, but yeah, that that punt, and then them stuffing Kareem a couple times, and. And that, I mean, to me, that was almost like a turning point in the game. And, and they were punts. They weren't. Right. And I know special teams can do that. But um, it was just, it just surprised me for how well the Browns were doing on offense and defense up to that point, that special teams seemed to give the Ravens the mojo that they needed to get back into the game. Well, and then they really weren't doing anything especially well in any other phase of the game. I mean, they were, they were getting after Jacoby, but I mean, if you look at the statistics from the game, you'd think the Browns won. Um, And, you know, with nine minutes left, we were, we were only down three and plenty of opportunity, you know, to, to, to get back and win the game. But um, to Peter's point earlier, sometimes you just, you know, most of the time we just, we find a way to lose. It's true, and, and and Peter, Jeff, and I, Jeff and I were at the game in Baltimore last year, and I can't remember the four things, but but the Browns had four takeaways and and three other things that were statistics that that up up to that point in NFL history, teams that had those four things in their favor were like uh, were like a million and O or something like that, and the Browns <laughs> lost the game. Um, so, so in, in Sunday's, I'm exaggerating slightly, but in, in Sunday's game, the Browns held Lamar Jackson to nine of 16 passing for 120 yards, and he only rushed for 59 yards. Um, they, they hold, uh, now Gus Edwards scored two touchdowns, but he only, he only ran the ball 16 times for 66 yards and they hold Mark Andrews to zero catches. Yeah. If if I'm looking at Mark Andrews not catching a ball and Lamar only throwing for a buck twenty, I'm thinking, and, and and their leading rusher has 66 yards. I'm thinking there's no way we can lose this game. The the Ravens' first few offensive possessions, I thought the Browns' defense played Lamar Jackson about as well as I've seen anybody play him. Yeah, and and I don't know how you how did they? I mean, Mark Andrews didn't have a catch. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews usually kills the Browns and, and everybody else he plays for that yeah. matter. Right. It's not just the Browns. Yeah. Um, I, I would be curious to know if, you know, how often he's been shut out in his career. Yeah. Probably not very often. Not often. But I mean, you know, those, those punts. And then after that, it was uh, Baltimore pressuring uh, Jacoby Brissett and the Browns did not have an answer for that pressure. Um, you know, it, it, it turned into a sack most of the time, you know, the Ravens had five sacks, including that strip sack. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that, that kind of, that pressure really turned things around. And it's easy for me to say, I'm not an NFL quarterback or an offensive coordinator or anything, but you know, these, it, you need to have some kind of an outlet on these plays, right? 
Um, when it, you know, and I know there's times when a guy's in there so fast, you just have to take a sack. But it seems like on a couple of these plays, Jacoby held the ball too long, and and he should have somebody to dump it off to. Um, you know, five sacks is a lot to give up. That that's my thought. So, uh, well, Peter, that's why Jacoby's our backup and not our starter. Well, it's true. Um, yeah, I think if it's somebody else, he's probably not taking five sacks. Oh, I agree. Um, Peter, anything you want to add about that game? Well, I think I think well, I think you, you you've covered just about everything. I, I guess that the Browns lost the the turnover battle two to one, mm-hmm. and and, and yeah. you know that's one of those statistics teams that win the turnover battle, you know, win the majority of games, and that one turnover difference always seems to be you know three to seven point difference, and this game was a three point game. I think the other thing with I think the other thing you mentioned special teams you mentioned the punning I think one thing that when you play Baltimore their offense plays on a shorter field because Justin Tucker's going to kick those field goals from 55 60 yards no problem at all so so so, so, so yeah. you're in essence playing on a 15 yard shorter field that offense is because it's you know their their scoring zone is almost when they when they when they cross halfway yeah, true yeah. Well, you're right, and and uh, you, you got to be honest. If they don't have Justin Tucker on their team, if they have you know any average kicker, there's a chance you know that that game's probably going to overtime, or the Browns might even. I, I don't. I know he kicked a 56 yarder. I can't remember. I don't know if he kicked two over 50 in the game or not. I can't remember, but I know he kicked one that was really long. Um, you know, if if they have a, a different kicker. <laughs> You know, chances are that they're not ahead at the end of that game. Yep. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people weren't happy. Nick Chubb only got 16 carries. Um, Jacoby threw the ball 27 times. He's 22 of 27. Um, not much to complain about there. Nick Chubb, 16 rushes for 91 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, I don't have a big problem with that. I like Nick to get a couple more carries, but that's, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, Kareem Hunt couldn't get going. He, you know, five five carries, four yards, and, and a touchdown. But uh, um, it, it's going to be interesting because the yeah. passing game has primarily been to Amari Cooper and David Njoku. So with Njoku out, let's see. Go, go ahead, Jeff. I, just on the passing side, they had – three guys with over 70 yards and receptions. So Jacoby was throwing the ball effectively. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see if uh, Cooper and, and um, DPJ can kind of step up and, you know, maybe the other tight ends can just kind of do what they can. You know, I, I don't know that you need to have a tight end catch five to seven catches, you know, you know, balls per, per game. Yeah. With Njoku out, you just gotta help him help out. So, um, yeah, see what happens there. So, yeah, so uh, I think we figured it would be a close game. Um, some of us. Again, yeah, you made the statement a while back, Rod, that you know when we when we play the schedule game before the season, going into Baltimore and winning wasn't something that we would have put a high percentage on, uh, you know, initially. So. Um, right, right. It would have been nice to sneak out a win in there, but um, you know, I, I again, I don't, you know, I don't think losing to that team in that stadium is, you know, is is a true measure of who we are. You know, um, you know, we talked about losing to to Bill Belichick last week. Um, you know, John Harbaugh has been there for 15 years, and his record against us is like, like you said, a million and zero or something. You know, so that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, whatever the number is. But um, I thought they played well overall. They played almost well enough to win. And I, and I, and I, and I think that's a really good point. If you, if you took one of the, the top teams in this league, if you took Kansas City or Buffalo and they had to go into Baltimore and, and you'd say that would be tough for those teams to go in there and win. It would. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, 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 so when you've, Come away from that game, and I know it's a a loss, and you hate to lose, but you play you played Baltimore pretty much even up, right yep. for for the best for the best part of four quarters. Yep, that's 
like Jeff says, it's not one of those games that you would put down as a W going into the season. And, you know, on the basis of that one game, the Browns aren't that far away. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. But but the problem is, Peter, that that's not what the fans I know. go walking away <laughs> thinking. They, they, they see a close game, and because it was close, they examine what didn't happen. You know, they, they examined the the, uh, the blocked field goal. Um, you know, anything else you want to talk about? The, the, the strip sack. You know, who who let the guy get in on the strip sack? You know, um, how did the Browns, you know, why did one of the guys miss this tackle? And things like that. They're thinking, um, if if we were this close, we should have won this game. And that that's the thought process. And I, I can kind of understand. It's like we're this close. You know, we need to get over the hump. I think um, the problem here is is that our fan base was a lot happier when we were 0-16 because they knew that they just could be miserable all the time. Now it's like the team is toying with their emotions. <laughs> it is. Well, it's exactly what Peter said. The, the closer losses are tougher. You know, honestly, the, the, uh, the this loss was, was probably tougher than the New England one. I mean, the New England one was pretty humiliating in the end. But, I mean, even that game, the Browns were in it through – you know, three quarters plus, but, but yeah. Yeah. And they, and they are tougher because you can go back and look at any of those games that you lose by a score or less. And you can say, if only this one play had been different, we would have won. And you look at those games and you, you'll find five or six of those one plays in that particular game, which any, if any one of those had gone a different way, you likely have won that game. So it does make it tough. So, yeah. So there's a lot of frustration amongst the fans because they can see this team being five and two with a couple things and they're putting the blame really mostly on, on the coaches or like if, if the coach would have done this, you know, or if the, you know, if the coach would have taught the player to do this better, then, then we, then we would have, you know, we'd be sitting at five and two. So, so league wide, I got to ask both you guys league wide, what gets a team to that level? Okay, I, I mean, I think I know what the answer is, but but what what makes those or more of those five plays go your way eventually? You know, why has it that the Browns organization has never been able to make those plays go our way? Go ahead, Peter. For, for me, I think you hit the nail on the head to a degree earlier, Jeff. I think I think you have to have players that have been there before. Yeah. Uh-huh. That lead, that leaders, that leadership, if you will, but not just you, you want leaders, but not just leadership. You want players that have been there and have won before, um, because because they find a way to win and they find a way to lift the players around them. You know, it's one thing going onto the field and hoping you're going to win or hoping you're going to make make a big play. That's different from from I believe that that we're going to win. I know that we're going to win. When, yeah. when when they walk out there and you know and that's and that's the difference you have with you know you look at the quarterback position and some of the top quarterbacks that have played the game they lose games they have bad games but mm-hmm. generally speaking they walk out onto the field week after week after week expecting that they're going to win and that filters around the players around them they expect to win and and, and i think that lots of nfl games are decided just by one play you know, or one yeah. of the five or six plays, bounce of the ball, whatever it might be. And I think that leadership that we've been there before, we know that we're going to win. I mean, you only have to look at the obvious example in, in Tom Brady, right? And, 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 you know, from my team, lots of Packers fans will say Rodgers is a lot more talented, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at it, Brady's always found a way to win, mm-hmm. you know? He might throw three interceptions in the first half, but he'll still come back to win. And, and sure, he has a team around him and all of that kind of thing. But part of it is that team ar- around him believes that he's going to lead them back to win. And I, and I think that just makes a huge, huge difference. Do you think you could say the same thing about coaching staffs, Peter? Yes, abs- a- absolutely. And that's why I think that some of the more experienced coaches around the league hang around the league a long time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, and, so here we sit with, with the youngest roster in the NFL and a coaching staff in their third year that, you know, has, we've, we've continuously churned uh, coaches and front office personnel. Uh, we've given nobody any time at all. And we expect them to have this kind of leadership ability. And they just don't yeah. because they haven't earned it yet. Yeah, it. Some people on Twitter, uh, somebody I don't know who it was, was upset that that Kevin Stefanski was not not emotional, was not was not screaming <laughs> on that on that call on that oh. um, on that on that um, field goal when there was yeah. the uh, the false start. They say Harbaugh's out there screaming at the officials, um, fighting for his team. Stefanski's right. there. He doesn't care. And and my first thought is, have you seen Nick Chubb? Hmm. He's, do you think Nick Chubb doesn't care because he is stoic on the sideline? Do you think that man doesn't care? Um, do you think Miles Garrett doesn't care? He's not screaming on the sidelines and doing stuff. I know there's a difference between players and coaches, but yeah. Uh, Different coaches coach different ways. Um, not everybody is is uh, going to to well, be I, like that. And it's also a double-edged sword, isn't it? So, so, so if your coach does get emotional on the sideline and starts screaming and shouting and the thing still doesn't go your way, that, then there'll be just as many people saying, well, he needs to keep his cool. He needs to set an example. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah. You, that, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a no-win situation for me. It's all about, uh, I think it's all about the players respecting the coach, you know, and they either do or they don't. It's not about how the coach acts, Um, you know, and it's about the relationship he has with the players. Well, and and it gets back to how you manage people, Rod, um, and and the differences among people. And I think when, you know, Andrew Barry goes about building a roster, he builds a roster with players who will thrive under a Kevin Stefanski type of management style. He doesn't go out drafting guys who need to be screamed at. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. if, if he's, if, if, if he's drafting players that need to be screamed at, he's got to really question why he's drafting them to begin with, as far as I'm concerned, um, because screaming will work maybe once, but then there's no additional play after that. You know, you, you can scream at somebody, intimidate them, scare them, whatever. Um, and you might get a rise once, but that just it's, doesn't consistently work in terms of motivating human beings. Yeah, no, I yeah I agree with you definitely, definitely a great point. So um, Browns, uh, we'll uh, we'll move on here because we've been going a while. So we better get on to this game coming up Monday night. Um, Browns play the Cincinnati Bengals. In Cleveland, uh, Monday night, Halloween. I guess the kick. I guess kicks off at eight fifteen. Kind of late, but uh, Jeff and I will be at this game with uh, with a couple of guys, and uh, really looking forward to that. We're going to see if we can bring a win home. Um, see how we do as far as that goes, but um, but yeah, um, looking forward to a to a great uh, to a great time going to the game and and going to the um going to the uh top dog tailgate um hopefully we'll see some of you guys out there um but yeah brown's playing the Bengals. um Bengals coming off of uh two wins uh just uh beat up atlanta 35 17 and before that uh they beat new orleans um 30 26 and they lost to baltimore 19 17 the week before that so a similar score to the browns as far as baltimore goes um you know it's real hard to look at common opponents but the bengals seem to be getting getting their offense going which had been their problem early in the season i think their their defense was playing well and their offense wasn't and now their offense has kind of kicked it into gear but you know it could be the could be the opponents, or maybe they figured some stuff out. So, um, Jeff, what do, you, what do you think about this game? And is it going to make a difference that we'll be there? 
<laughs> I, I like to think that it would, but yeah. <laughs> in the end, it probably won't. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, the only thing I think we've got going for us is that we've really had the Bengals number recently. We seem to match up really well against them. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time accepting the fact that, you know, this team is what its record says it is. To, like Peter was saying, I, I think we're so close to, to, to figuring out this puzzle that I'm really mm-hmm. hopeful that this, this game is when we're going to do it. Yeah, you got to figure sooner or later they're going to figure it out and, and the Browns are going to have a big game. So, so what do you think, Peter? Is it possible that that happens this week? Oh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's absolutely possible. I mean, I think that, you know, Cincinnati, off those two wins, now, you know, they will start to build that confidence that we talked about earlier, losing big acts, losing, but winning big acts, winning, despite who you beat, because those are not the two, they've not faced two powerhouses the last the last couple of weeks. Um, and you're right, the, the Bengals' offense has started to get it together now, and, you know, Burrow and Chase, um, you know, that's a, that's a difficult duo to to. To, to deal with, mm. but, I, but I don't think there's much to choose between these teams, right? And, w- and when I look at Cleveland, is sixth overall in offense, sixteenth overall in defense. So in the top half, in essence, in both of those rankings, and yet have a two and five record, which says to me they're they're, you know, you can yeah, statistics, damn lies and statistics and all of that, but it says to me that their <laughs> record doesn't reflect who they are, and yeah. I think. I think with you two guys being there, you're going to sway this game. Um, I, I don't know if either of you can play tight end. You'll have to let me know. No, I, seriously, we're slightly I, I, past our prime, Peter. I, I think this is. I think this is another one of those really, really close games, and I, and I, I just have got a sneaking suspicion this week that it goes in the Browns' favour. Well, well, let's hope so. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, at, at this point, the the Ravens and Bengals are both four and three. Browns and Steelers uh, two and five. So, um, Browns could make it, you know, a little more interesting with with a win. Definitely. I mean, the, this division is is uh, still up for grabs. That that's the interesting part is that, um, you know, most of these teams probably feel like they're like, well, crap. If we were playing really well, we could own this division right now. And they, they're all looking at their records, thinking, well, right. here we are. Um, everybody, you know, everybody's kind of still in it. You know, the Browns are a couple games back, but um, two games back at this point in the season is not is yeah, not the end. Yeah, and I, sorry, Rod, and, and and sorry to interrupt. And I and I think that's the case across the league. You know, if you if you take Buffalo and Kansas City out, and potentially Philadelphia out, but let, let's see where that goes. Is that it? Really, is any given Sunday anybody can beat anybody in this league this this season? Yep, that, that's how it feels. That's how it feels. So, um, what's the over under on this one, Rod? The over under is forty seven. And the Beng- the Bengals are favored by only by three. Of course, it's in Cleveland, so but that's still they're fa- they're a three point favorite on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, let's peek back at last week to see that nobody won. Um, just real quick. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah. Our predictions: uh, John did have the Browns winning twenty four twenty two, and the under, and the under. Um, yeah, and the game, yeah, and the under, and and the game did go to the under, which was forty six and a half. So, um, we so got as usual, we we de- we defer to our guests in our prognostications. Yeah, we're going to defer. We're going to give we're going to give John the the win there, even because <laughs> he he predicted a close game, and he was I mean he was pretty close with the score, even though he had the Browns winning. But uh, but yeah, and he had the under, and I think you and I both had the over. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Um, Bengals a uh, three-point favorite, and um, the over/under is about the same as last week, um, but it's up to forty-seven, is what I mm-hmm. have. So, mm-hmm. so um, 
Let's uh, <clears throat> let's let's get some predictions out here. Uh, Peter, you get to go first. Um, how, how do you see this one as far as a final score looks? Yep, I'm going to go, like like I said, I think this is going to be a close game. Goes down late in the fourth quarter. I think Cleveland wins it 24-21. Peter's taking the under. Yep. Okay. Yeah, just by a little bit. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, since I have really no chance of beating Peter, um, I'm just going <laughs> to go crazy here. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict a blowout because that's what I want to see. When we we go down there, um, we're, we're having a good time with our buddies and stuff. We want to see on national television the Browns just have their coming out party, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm gonna predict their coming out party happens on Monday night, and the Browns are gonna win this one, 45 to 24. 45-24. I might as well okay. go crazy because I'm going to be wrong anyway. Yeah. Um, I think it would be high scoring, but I, I think it would be still uh, pretty a pretty close game. So I'm kind of going to go with a combination of what you guys are saying. Um, I mean, the, the Bengals have been scoring a lot of points, and I don't know if the Browns' offense is going to shut them down in this one. I have feel feeling this is going to – turn into a little bit of a track me of a track meet. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean I'm gonna give the Browns uh a win um thirty-three to thirty, let's just say. I know okay. that's an odd score. So I got them scoring sixty three, Jeff has them scoring sixty nine, Peter's got them scoring uh forty five. Yeah. So so yeah. Any any <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, particular plays or anything you want to include in your in your uh, prognostication, Jeff? I think the defense is going to score on a pick six. Okay. Peter, is there anything you want to add in to yours? No, it might nothing, answer anything. No, nothing other than the fact that I, th- I, I think the twenty four twenty one is based on a. Perhaps a last second, but certainly a field goal in the last two minutes wins it for the Browns. Okay. Well, I think Jacoby Brissett's going to do well throwing the ball, but I think Nick Chubb's going to have a couple of touchdowns in this one. So I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to play in this game. So I think Nick Chubb's going to have probably 20 plus carries just a feeling and i think he's gonna have a pretty good game and and score a couple touchdowns but it's still gonna come down to the pass because uh because there's gonna be a lot of points scored once again rod you and i have made emotional predictions based on our fandom and peter has made this sound (laughs) experience based pick (laughs) so this is why we lose it's okay that's all right it's all in fun that's right. It's all on <laughs> this is why we are. Uh, this is why the Browns have a better record than we do. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, well, um, gosh, I, I think we've covered it. I just think we've covered it. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I just hope uh, hope people, um, you know, kind of listen and just hopefully, uh, hopefully not. Uh, you know, lose our heads over what's going on and, and realize that that those things, you know, the record's bad now, but this team does have a future. You know, it, it's real hard in Cleveland to look past this season, but you have you still have to look at the guys that are on the roster and the way the way Andrew Barry's able to to bring talent in. And you know, I, I still think you have to be bullish on this team for the future. So, yep. um, and for me, like, like Peter said, I mean, this team is, uh, is better than the record. I don't even know if you give up on this team yet. Let's see what they do against Cincinnati. If they win this game, I think their foot's still, you know, there's, there's still a crack in the door. So, um, you know, we'll right. see what happens. So, 
with that, I'll pass it to you guys for uh, for any closing comments. Um, Peter, what would you like to leave the listeners with? <laughs> well, I, th- I think you've summed it up very well there, Rod. I, I think that continue to be positive, you know, particularly while the, the doors, the crack in the doors still open, continue to be positive. And I just want to say thank you, Rod, to you and to Jeff for having me on the show again. Love it every time I, I come on. So I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, one of these days or years, maybe we'll we'll do this from uh, from your house. Absolutely. <laughs> you just never know. Um, Jeff, closing thoughts. Yeah, it's it's always great talking to you, Peter. And and the good news is is that no matter how these games unfold over the next few weeks, the draft's only April away. Yeah. That's coming up. <laughs> That's coming up. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.